0: Live from Sea Haven Island, this is the Rail Trains of Thought. Welcome to derailed trains of thoughts. This is Timothy Deal. This is Nick Hayden, and today we are coming to you from a beautiful little port yeah, town. Yeah,
1: this is, this is very nice, very
0: homey. Yeah, um, I mean, just look looking out over the port, at the water over there, the blue sky. It, it's picture perfect. It is picture perfect, yeah. and I I could see you staying here for a long time. Yeah, it's it's nice, and the podcast takes us to someplace normal and relaxing. Yeah. And, you get the feeling that there's nothing too out of the ordinary. No, no,
1: everything's just it just works nice and yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it it'd be a neat place
0: to uh to you know it, I'm sure there'd be there's some charming townsfolk here. I'd love to like learn more about them, maybe watch a TV show about them or something. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we're we're getting distracted, and uh, this is a momentous episode. Yes, and it's we, the next episode. It is the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is yeah. episode eight zero eighty. And uh um, eight
1: thousand
0: eighty. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's episode eighty, and we uh, are also celebrating our, our seventh? seventh year. Oh wow! We were going biweekly for a while, so we got a good stretch of episodes, yeah. and then we like took a hiatus for, for about a months. year. Or
1: so. Well, uh, I'd say about half about half, a year. half a year, eight months, yeah. something and then like we've been that. about monthly since then.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's how we have a strange number. We're eighty episodes, and we're in our seventh year. Yeah. So, but it's a nice, it's a nice, relaxing place to celebrate our uh, this momentous occasion. Yeah, we
1: thought we'd do something different. We like to do something different. We
0: like, something. we do like to do is and have some special kinds of uh, episodes, and this will hopefully be one of those. So let's go into story school. So for Story School this time, we asked you, our faithful listeners, to uh, send us some questions that you might like to, us to answer. I was actually surprised; I didn't expect that many responses. We
1: got a decent number of them.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, both on uh, we because we asked on Facebook, mm-hmm. and some people decided to email us answers, which is totally and, and some totally people fun. in person because yes. when
1: we see a lot of people watch it, yeah, and or listen
0: and, to it, well, they did watch us the one time on Facebook. That's true. Uh, a very popular video. <laughs> Well, oh, of course, with these handsome faces. <laughs> so we, we both have the questions up here that we're going to answer. So this is our, uh, it's sort of an extended uh, listener feedback slash, well, this is our story school.
1: Because you know? you're learning about us. So we're, we're, we're schooling, you know, you asked, we answered. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, what's our first question? Well, here, this next? one was kind of a compilation. A couple of different people had kind of questions like this. So I just kind of phrased it. It says, come on, guys. Why no love for Games of Thrones or Netflix, original Marvel things? Um, why does everything have to be lost for Star Wars?
0: That's a good question. Well, why shouldn't it be lost, uh, lost in Star Wars? Right, exactly. <laughs> now, actually, we used to joke about this a lot in the early days of the podcast. I think we've gotten better. I know we've certainly gotten away from some of the lost. We had a lot of lost. I mean, Lost was was still pretty fresh when we first started. I mean,
1: it had basically just ended. And it was it was a you know, a seminal TV show. Yeah. So
0: and it was one of those, um, haven't you said before you feel like it's, it's one of the most, uh, influential in your yeah. way of thinking about storytelling. Yeah. That
1: in Battle of Five and some other ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is that, like, it's hard for, we, we had watched that most of it before we started the podcast. That's true. So we had that shared experience. Mm-hmm. And there's not as many opportunities now. We don't always watch the same thing. I don't watch that much TV. Yeah. Um, and even even when though
0: when we do, I mean we you know, we've watched things for the Weekly Hijack once mm-hmm. upon a time and we both watched SHIELD. Yeah, and Ages of Shield. It's harder to find and even when Lost Is On, there weren't very many shows that kind of re at least the the ones that we watch that kind of re made you reevaluate how TV could work or how that kind of storytelling should work.
1: And at least, and some of the shows that are all in the, you know, everyone's talking about are just too over the top for me personally. Like mm-hmm. I, I have no interest in watching game of thrones. Yeah. I remember trying to read the book before it was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not my thing. Yeah. Um, and like, like I've watched daredevil, but I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of the other. I just things. watched
0: Jessica Jones recently. And, um, it was an interesting experience. Yeah, I feel like you have to be in the right sort of mood for Jessica Jones because it's sort of a, a modern noir mm-hmm. is kind of the the vibe it gets on it, which is good and bad. You know, noir f- traditionally has kind of a well dark, obviously, yeah. but sometimes it can also have kind of that greasy sort of like in the in the you know the slums and the streets yeah. sort of feeling. And this this show kind of had some of that. So again, you have to be in the right mood for it, but I don't know that. I saw. It. I don't know that I'll have a whole lot of
1: stuff I yeah. can pull from it because it's... You know, one show being kind of a resurgence Just because I finally watched it was Person of Interest. Oh, yeah. You know, because I had a lot of neat things going for it, but yeah. But, you know, even as much as I love Person of Interest, I've, I've realized that I don't refer to it. No. It doesn't come up in, in our conversations that often. And we do hope, we have this book club, We I think we mentioned last episode, mm-hmm. that hopefully will give us more fodder of shared experiences it's just easier that way. Yeah. So. Anyways, so, okay, so that was the first question. So yeah, we're 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 trying to diversify it a bit. Yeah. I mean it'll always be basically more geeky shows than not. Yes. But.
0: <laughs> and as long as they keep making Star Wars movies, we're gonna have yes. new Star Wars fodder to, yeah, to pull exactly. from. <laughs> exactly. Okay,
1: you wanna read this next All right, one? What's them? our next we get see? If
0: you were to do a non story podcast, what would it be about? This is uh this is an interesting one. I my my gut reaction is it'd probably be something about worldviews and theology and yeah. stuff like that.
1: I was gonna say, yeah, theology, um, maybe a little politics, but more in the sense of how it intersects with Christianity, not so much like
0: political uh maneuvering. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Because honestly, that's probably the main thing we talk about off the podcast outside of podcast and story entertainment stuff. and story yeah. stuff.
0: That's true. I and mean, and sometimes it it creeps onto the podcast. Yeah. So I got, we we get very theological in some ways last episode.
1: Mhm. And I I remember when my brother was on was it episode 50 where mm-hmm. we we talked about um Joe Biden on um Naked and Afraid or something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that
1: was fun. <laughs> oh, Joe. You know, I sort of miss Joe Biden in yeah.
0: some ways. I don't think I would, but uh, he
1: was he was entertaining. Yes. <laughs> It's kind of like, it's kind of like, like the earth, mostly harmless. <laughs> yes. Anyways. All right. So next question. Oh, okay. Here we go. Um, what show do you wish you could hijack? Well, should we make this announcement here, Nick? Um, it will be a while, won't it? It probably will. We can say it anyways and make people kind of annoyed. tease,
0: kind of tease that it's coming down the road. Yeah. So the, there was a certain show that we had hoped for, uh, we've hoped for a long time that we would be able to hijack. Yeah. It's a show that has been very influential to both of us, but just wasn't available. It was hard to watch.
1: It, I mean, I had
0: the DVDs, but yeah, most people don't. I mean, the show, of course, we're talking about is the Dukes of Hazard. Yes, you know, we can't get enough of those them, them boys and those yeah. uh, that so that wonderful car with that wonderful symbol on it. <laughs> I don't think that's going to go off well anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, not 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 Dukes of Hazard. No, Babylon Five.
1: Babylon Five. It was the original Lost.
0: For me. <laughs> Understandably so. It, it was one of the first shows before. I mean, it really set the tone for modern
1: TV to have serialized uh, storytelling. I, and I still think it's probably the best planned show I've ever watched. There might be some more, like some HBO shows like that are well planned. But a lot of shows now will kind of do this sort of like, I'll just play it by ear as we go along. I mean... He knew. Er- he knew the end from the beginning. Yeah, and he really didn't waver I mean, and he had trap doors and stuff, but it just yeah. it works. Am- We've watched what four episodes now, mm-hmm. and the amount of stuff that's already been dropped in, yeah. as, as set up is, that you don't even know it's there. Yeah, you don't
0: know it in some ways is, is even set up. Yeah, I, I don't know that very many shows modern shows can do that. I mean, I remember we said in some ways that was a one problem with Flashpoint that had tried to like set up mm-hmm. uh, like they they actually worked a long time on like or creating forward. Yeah, Flash Forward. You're right. Flashpoint is something different. <laughs> I can't think of what it is. On. Anyway. But, yeah, it took a while for after loss for other people to figure out how to do it. And, like, Heroes did it well for, like, one season. And that was about all they and had And they kept in the, trying to do it over. Yeah, they tried to do the first yeah. season over again. Yeah. And so it took a while. And I don't know that anyone, like you, yeah, like you said, mapped it out quite as well as Babylon 5. So uh, we had hoped to do it for a while, but finally
1: uh, we found a site that is now streaming it. Yeah. So hopefully in the near future, we want to get a backlog before we start posting. Yeah, so we don't have like weeks between things. That, that's or, kind
0: of been the way we've been operating the hijack recently, or at least trying to. Especially when it's not shows that are current. Yeah. So obviously we, we, we wanted it to be a way that... So part of the conceit is what we're doing with it is uh, your sister-in-law, mm-hmm. Brianna. Brianna. She has not seen Babylon 5 before. And so she, she will be highlighting the, the beginning part of the episode. And then we'll do a, a spoiler warning. We'll banish her to the other room after we've gotten her instant reactions. Yeah. And we'll go into some spoiler territory. So those of you who have seen it before can enjoy But if you out. have
1: not seen it, don't, don't listen to spoilers. Yeah, Seriously. Don't, don't
0: go into the spoiler section because it's, it's, it's well worth the wait. So we'll let you know as soon as uh, those episodes are available. Yeah. Okay, so next question. What story school topic idea has been on your
1: to do list the longest?
0: And I should actually probably get. Oh, out there's our some of them.
1: Um, we've had, honestly, we've had like um, web fiction on there a long time. Yeah, I think that's a pretty early one because that was when you were more in, in web fiction, involved in web fiction. We always thought it'd be interesting to interview some of the movers and shakers and that because I think they're pretty accessible.
0: And I and I realized not too long ago that um, when we did, I want to say um, back around episode twenty. Which would have been, we did like 20 episodes in our first year. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> I think that's when we did we did a preview at the end of the episode for like coming, or maybe it was like for the next year, coming yeah. sometime, 2012 or something like that. And at some point we had Spock saying, that is not logical, Captain. That's our way of doing a very uh, obscure reference to doing logic and emotion. Which we just did recently, right? Which we just did recently. So that, that was on the burner for like five
1: years. I know feminism's been on there a long time.
0: Well, we did feminism. Did we, well, we did,
1: we did a, okay. We did a tongue-in-cheek uh, version of feminism. Yeah, that was episode 22, wasn't it?
0: Or 20 also? Is um, that when we did it all of No, live? no, because episode 20, we did a recap of, like, actual, oh, yeah, 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 actual yeah. look back. And episode 34 is when we did a fake
1: recap. Okay.
0: We just made stuff up. Yeah. I can't imagine why we'd ever make, <laughs> just make stuff up.
1: But. Ridiculous.
0: Anyway, so those are a couple of things that were on there for a while, and we'll see if, we'll see if any other old standbys show
1: up. Okay, uh, next question is from actually one of the, old, the um, youth I used to teach writing to. Um, he's in college now. It says, Hi, Tivenik. I've been joining your podcast since around episode 60 and it's inspired me to make my own. What sort of planning do you do for each episode?
0: You know, it really depends on the episode in a lot of ways. Uh, sometimes we'll just have kind of a bare bones. Okay, well, we're going to do these segments, uh, come up
1: with the soundtracks, and that's about... Then we just go with it. Sometimes it's like I to, we arrive with the podcast... Mm-hmm. And then we on the spot we say okay what are we what, what are we um going to soundtrack where our, our second half going to be and we know we always know what the story school is going to be yeah you because that's what, what we talk about the most yeah but there's there's not
0: maybe it shows there's not <laughs> that much planning. <laughs> I mean occasionally we'll even if we know it's going to be a tricky. Topic will will outline yeah. the story school. Yeah, especially
1: something that's not natural to us. Yeah. Yeah. That takes a little bit of forethought. Or if it's an interview, we'll go get questions around. Yeah. It.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it depends. You know, some of those will be a little more planning.
1: Otherwise, it's it's as off the cuff as you might think. And we and we do kind of enjoy the the style the more off the cuff feel of the podcast. I and mean, we kind of cultivate that to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I mean so. we we edit it a bit to make ourselves sound a lot well, smarter than we Tim are. Tim does the editing.
0: So <laughs> but, okay. Next question we have here. This listener, Jason, says, I have a story school idea. You should do an episode on mockumentaries and fake nonfiction. What do you think?
1: We could do it sometime, but let's just do a. We could do our own, you mean? No, no, well, no, let's just do. Let's answer a quick one here in case it gets put on our list forever and never taken care of. Yeah, Jason doesn't been like. Yeah. Um, thank you. I'm now 50 years old, and you finally took my topic. <laughs> so yeah, well, what would how let's see an episode Instead of mockumentary? What would we talk about? I mean, the thing with the mockumentary, what, or or what do they say here? Also, fake, fake non-fiction, nonfiction is that you really want to make it feel as close to realistic as possible, and then just you know slowly shade. And it depends how much you want them to know. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, usually, usually you go into a mockumentary, you know what it is. Well, but like, the mockumentary, but you you have sometimes those one where they're they play it real straight, and people think it's real. Ah, yes. You know, and but it, it's you just kind of slowly it's keep deep satire it. that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and people will be like, "Wait, was that what? What are they talk, talking about?" Yeah, was it's a so reveal, and
1: yeah. But like, you know, it's interesting? Like Cloverfield. The beginning of Cloverfield is done in a very—it's not mockumentary, but like a documentary style. That's true. If I you mean, didn't know anything about Cloverfield, you might not know I, to expect. Well, that. I remember people saying when it came out that the first twenty minutes were they thought we were just boring because it's basically just college people. Talking to each other at a party. Uh-huh. I mean, in like, yeah, it's kind of like kind of banal, kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, the famous documentaries would be things like, uh, you know, The Office, which obviously plays it up a lot, right? Uh, and then you got the more, uh, the more dry versions. Like, I've not seen this as Spinal Tap, but I've seen um, Best in Show, which is the same group of people.
0: Is that the one? Wait, 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 is that the the Community Theater one? No, that's the one with the dog show. The oh, okay. The best in show is hilarious. <laughs> it's good stuff. I mean, the trick I, I feel with them is that not only the uh, the sort of like just off of reality, but I, th- I think it's tricky to make it feel like human characters that aren't like gross caricatures of real people.
1: That's true. You, you have to make them... Yeah, you're not going... It's not full comedy. You yeah. know, you want them to be identifiable. You want them to feel like kind of like your neighbor, but
2: mm-hmm.
1: not quite. And again, there's a lot of overlap with you know just normal comedy i guess but it depends on how realistic you how you want people to feel like it is yeah i wasn't a huge fan of the
0: office because a lot of it and i hear the first season especially oh Dad, the first season's painful like yeah. some of the the kind of awkward humor i'm not i'm not a huge fan of awkward humor yeah. um
1: it's cuz sometimes i feel like it's more of a laughing at a character than with a character it is okay this is not quite mockumentary. but i've i need to watch all of it i have seen part of Napoleon Dynamite Okay. Have you seen any of that? No. But, like, just the awkward... You're I knew like, it was a big I, thing when it was a big thing. I, like, I, I, yeah, I need I to watch it. it all. My sister loved it growing up, and I just had never had a chance to watch it for whatever reason. I saw the end of it. I'm like, I think I would like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it just, it's just a weird style between... You're laughing, but it played straight, kind of, in a weird... I mean, not straight, straight, but uh-huh. anyways...
0: I think you would like this is Spinal Teppi I think it's rated R because there's some F-bombs thrown in okay. but for the most part it's it's, it's fairly PG-13. So.
1: I, I think I would enjoy I have always enjoyed that sort of uh, tongue-in-cheek sort of yeah. thing. And you gotta crank it up to 11. Yeah. <laughs> so that's our, that's our mini story school for that. Yep. Um, maybe we'll come back to it more full at some point. Alright. I don't know who wrote this one in. What's the anonymous? All right. So I've noticed you've talked about things like Stren Fred and Daring story since episode one. Are these projects real or are just running gags? I resent that. I know this is okay. Writing is, yes, we've been talking about a long time. Like I feel really embarrassed listening back to episode one. These are not gags. These are real things we sometimes mean to do. Maybe <laughs> mean to do.
0: That's a good word for. It. I mean, you've actually made significant progress. Book three is done. Yeah, Darian's story is in some ways like I've got like maybe an opening scene written, but I will admit it is largely more an idea than an actual project. You know, right the,
1: now. the sad thing is most writers have that one idea they've been talking about forever, and uh. it, and it. We just happen to have ours recorded. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's one unfortunate side of, of having a, a podcast. Uh, I remember my roommate brought it up at one point. He'd been like going back through the archives. And I remember what how it came up in the conversation. And, and he's like, oh, do you mean Darren's story? I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it exists
1: sort of. <laughs> yes. So um, not a running gag. Real projects will be done at some point. Maybe. <laughs>
0: okay, next question. What podcast location do you guys wish you could really visit?
1: I, I don't, understand don't understand this We The don't understand this No. No, we, we really go to these places. Yeah, this is why we podcast. We get to travel the universe. It's it's pretty exciting, honestly. Yeah, I. It's yeah, a, obviously someone's not been listening closely enough. No, clearly. Okay, so let's, okay. let's move on. What's the next one we got? Okay. No, this is actually from my brother. Serious question here is, guys. Don't you disagree on anything? I want to hear you argue. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it sounds that, it's not like that, yeah. Well, obviously he
0: he didn't hear when we talked about um, Curious George and Frog and Toad. Frog and Toad.
1: Well, I I remember Curious George because he's the. Frog and Toad is way better. Uh, I'm not going to get into this. you He's he's an idiot for one. (laughs) How dare you? He's my childhood hero. Like when I was like two. Yeah, but Frog and Toad can be your childhood hero forever. And what you don't know also is what we. At least Curious George had, like, full-scale color, you know? You know, Frog and Toad had, like, those little halftone
0: kind of color in their pictures.
1: Okay. First off, Frog and Toad is more realistically shaded than (laughs) Curious George. It just does, does, like, the four-color thing. Not as bad as Dr. Seuss, where it's like, everything's blue and green. But, um, (laughs) no, but also, we have, you know, there's things we edit out. That's um, true. And we've cut out a lot of our arguments about Frog and Toad, honestly. (laughs) <laughs> about uh, arguments, also about um, naming the podcast episodes. Yeah, um, you think some of them are are uh, confusing now? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> huh yeah. So, so no, we we're, we we cleaned it up pretty yeah, well, I think. Yeah. So okay. Anyway, next comment. Um, yeah, this person. This person. Yeah, this person says not a question, really, just a request. Don't do pun times ever. Period. Thanks, serious Joe Keen. <laughs> I'm Wait. skeptical of this I, one. I, is this a <laughs> is this a real person? I'm not so sure. Tim, did
1: you send this one in? No, I enjoy pun
0: times. I, I love pun times. I support
1: pun times. Pun times forever, man. Yeah, I mean, like, I, game I, over, man.
0: I I, I I can't imagine why anyone wouldn't enjoy pun times. No, I mean, it's it's just it's punny for all. Yeah. Anyway, okay. so we're ignoring you, Mr. Keen.
1: Yes, obviously you're not taking it this seriously. I think what he's saying that we need more pun times. I, you know, I agree. Maybe we should have one in the second half of this. Okay, well, we we'll have to consider
0: that. We'll see, yeah,
1: we didn't plan one, but we,
0: we don't. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can try. All right, next question.
1: Okay, this is this is serious. When can we expect those Derail Trains bingo cards? This is actually from Nathan.
0: Uh, it probably is. I, I wouldn't he, be he would, enjoy,
1: he would enjoy those bingo, bingo cards.
0: Yeah. Because if you missed the bingo card discussion, we talked about how we, basically it would be like travel bingo. You know, anytime mm-hmm. we say certain things like Lost or Star Wars
1: or Babylon 5,
0: you mark a bingo point. And, yeah.
1: You know, Muppets, you get this, you know. And, mm-hmm. and you see if you can win during the episode. Yeah. And we just thought it'd be, it'd be great entertainment while you're listening to the podcast. Uh-huh. we just haven't found a good price on card stock yet we, we we actually do have a list of what would go on the bingo cards I think we made a list we I think time? so yeah, yeah it's I'll somewhere I have to dig that out it was, it was a pretty good list yeah <laughs> Tolkien's on there
0: I think so uh, Dostoevsky. Probably Wheel of time Wheel of time definitely yeah I think Star Wars like the free space so yeah um. <laughs> kind of like uh Fred book three it probably will happen someday but not right now not right now it, <laughs> it's it's a little
1: low on the priority list unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tim, this one's for you. Okay. Okay. This says, Hi. So I've been listening to you guys for a while and I love you guys, especially Tim. Do you have anyone special in your life, Tim? I love good movies and deep discussions. Maybe you could message me and we could talk. My Skype account is Janice Muppet Girl. See you soon, I hope. Um actually, I I hid this one from you, but I'd want to just Uh
0: Um Yes. Um I will um I will uh I'll text you later. Um, next question we have here is uh, says, <laughs> "Hey guys, I'm know- gonna hold you
1: that." <clears throat>
0: Moving on, uh, It says you know Rory from Doctor Who. Well, he's on Legends of Tomorrow too, and on Broadchurch. And you know who else is on Broadchurch? David Tennant, who is also Scrooge McDuck and Kilgrave on Jessica Jones. So look, these time travelers are on both the BBC and CW and Disney and Marvel, who's owned by Disney. Does Disney own BBC too? I think they do, but secretly. There's an entertainment complex taking over everything, and there's these two moving everywhere. Obviously time travelers. They're trying to warn us about something, don't you think? My friends all say I'm crazy, but I'm not crazy. Do you think I'm crazy? No, no, that no, makes actually, perfect sense. I,
1: I actually made—I hadn't made those connections before. I don't,
0: I, yeah, that's—it's okay. interesting. Maybe
1: so. The David,
0: the doctor, okay. and his companions are secretly working their way through our pop culture to warn us of something, or are they? Have they been manipulated by these corporate overlords to uh, control us somehow?
1: Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Wow, that's deep. Because you know, sometimes people make these pop culture connections that don't make any sense. But this one, I mean, because you have because Marvel and Disney. I mean, they're and obviously. And Ten is showing up everywhere now.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, they're obviously trying to control the world somehow.
1: Yeah, I just. And, I, I, well, you know what, Amy Pond, you could throw in there maybe. I mean, she's in Marvel movies. That's true. Yeah, uh,
0: there's another one.
1: Yeah, and you know, Tenant. I mean, the Doctrine... the world Pond weren't supposed to see each other again. But was that just a was that a parable about something? Was that a because they were they work for different universe companies now.
0: Well, if Rory is with DC and and Amy is with uh with Marvel. That's that's kind of sad, actually. That's mm-hmm. that's what
1: it's an analogy for. I don't know, I'm going, we'll have to come back to that. Yeah, we'll have to do to, that.
0: we'll do some research on that, see if we can find
1: get you a good answer. Yeah, somewhere somewhere in the dark, net, I bet we can. Yeah, uh, that, that might be like the place to go. Okay. Anyway, next question. Okay. Hi, Tim and Nick. Have you seen the Lost Interpretive Dance on YouTube? It's really great. I think it really got the heart of the show. Tell me what you think. Okay. Did, did you know what this? This this doesn't really exist, does it, Tim?
0: What? This is a, well, there's a up. There's a link here. Let's oh, let's take a look. Okay. Wow. Um, I've never seen someone in a curly cosplay in a Hulu skirt before. Yeah, the, and the giant, the giant van guy dressed up as the van is kind of weird. Yeah. The Dharma van. It'd make more sense. I mean, well, okay. I mean, I get, I get the uh,
1: the Mister Cluck yeah. costume. Let's take a look. That's pretty clever, actually. It's pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah. And again, any interpretive dance done to this this music, mm-hmm. I'll watch at least for a little bit. But forty five minutes it's 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 a little. Ex-
0: I mean, we can't watch the whole thing. No. I mean, I could oh, tell wow, they're they're, covering... They are very flexible, though. Wow, no kidding. Um, I I didn't really want to see Mister
1: Cluck doing that, <laughs> but oh man, no, no. Um, just keep it on. I want to wait till um Ben comes in. Okay. Well, we could just we could skip ahead here. Okay, let's do that.
0: Yeah, let's let's go. So, is is that supposed to be Jacob? I can't tell. Is the guy with all the blood all over that? Is that supposed to be Ben Linus? That's probably Ben. Yeah. Okay. Either that or that's the pilot. It's hard to tell the difference sometimes. Yeah. This is. I don't know. This is.
1: I like Lost. This is weird.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I I can see it being sort of reflective of their inner psychosis, sort of trying to understand each other despite their different backgrounds and the you know the traumas yeah. they've gone through. I guess through. the
1: truth dance is not a bad way to communicate the isolation and lostness each of the characters have. I mm-hmm. mean, I mean they're they are at least in, in this scene right here they seem to be set across the stage in a nice you know you can tell they're they're all separated and they're all trying to get to each other but can't. I don't know. I. Guess we might have to put the leak on YouTube for people, yeah, so they can make yeah. their own judgments. I like, I'm it, not a big fan of interpretive dance myself. Not, but yeah,
0: and I feel like this would take a, we have to sit through the whole thing to really. Yeah, we don't understand have time it. right now. So, so okay, so interesting, interesting. Thanks for
1: showing us that. Yeah,
0: who recommended that one?
1: Um, was that your mom? Well, same name, huh? It's a Deb. Weird. Of course, Haley's mother-in-law is Deb too. So maybe okay. I
0: anyway, moving on. Didn't you promise to play a promo for Kaiju Vision Radio, the podcast hosted by Nathan Marchin and Brian Churchill that will be premiering on September 20th, wherever fine podcasts are sold, available? And why don't you have that Nate guy on your show
1: more often? Sincerely, Nerdimus Prime. Um,
0: That's a good question.
1: Yes. Yeah, we need to put that on, because it's about ready to come out. Okay, yeah. It might come out before this podcast does. That's a good
0: point. So, okay, well we can go ahead and insert that here.
3: Come in. Thanks for coming. Sorry for the delay. Another planning meeting, Brian? Really? No, I think it's finally time. Seriously? You're finally ready?
0: <clears throat> I'm Nathan Marchand, a professional writer and raging geek.
3: And I'm Brian Churchill, an international relations specialist and amateur film critic. We're the hosts of Kaiju Vision
0: Radio, a podcast about the appreciation of giant monster movies.
3: And discovering their historical and cultural value. We will chronologically, critically, and academically examine a giant monster film in each episode, starting with the Godzilla or Gojira franchise. There have been a total of 34 films since 1954. It's impossible to
0: talk about Godzilla without talking about Japan, and Japan is just as unique as Godzilla. So we'll be discussing its history and culture and how it influenced the Godzilla film franchise, which is a great way to find out more about Japan.
3: Gojira is one of the most complex and multifaceted kaiju ever created, and it means so many things to many people. Not only is Gojira a powerful symbol of nuclear weapons and disasters, but most of these movies are an expression of the Japanese national spirit. We will take a fascinating journey reassessing the Godzilla franchise. Since these movies are often anchored in the time they were released, we'll tell you what these movies are communicating to us about Japan. So join us every Wednesday on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, or on our website, kaijuvision.com. Sayonara.
0: See, was it really that hard?
3: Ask me again when we edit. So, if you're into
1: kaiju, Godzilla,
0: or if you don't know if you are or
1: not, the nice thing about this podcast, from what I hear, there's going to be, I mean, it's not just like, watch the movie, it's so cool. But there's a lot of uh, Japanese history. Oh. So I think it's a, it's, a, it's a learning experience as well. Interesting. Okay. So. All right. What's our next one? All right? right. Hey, says this person who did not sign his name. I really like your podcast, but you haven't once talked about the Flintstone Jetson influence on Far Side Gary Larson and how he influenced a whole genre of animal-based kids show like Octonauts and Wildcrats. Why not?
0: Well, for one thing, I'm not that familiar with Octonauts and Wild Kratz.
1: Oh, they're, they're pretty good shows. They teach, like Octonauts about these... Marine creatures who go around and help other marine creatures, and you learn about starfish and things. And then Wild Kratts is about these two brothers, and they're based on real people who go around and learn get special powers from animals. So they're very animal based things. And I didn't, I didn't talk about it because I didn't know that Gary Larson had um, influenced it, but it makes sense because Gary Larson was all about you know he was a very sciencey sort of guy. Far Side, you guys know Far Side? A little bit. I love Far Side. I have the entire complete collection. Yeah. It is so good. <laughs> But you know he he had a lot of science in his stuff. He, I mean, most of his jokes were very animal, biology, archaeology related, mm-hmm. and so it would actually make a good sense between his animation and his concerns, and you know these kind of quirky kids things. Um, okay, I'm not completely sure about this Flintstone Jetson influence. Yeah, that seems. Uh, do they have a
0: sitcom format these these new kid shows? I mean, not really. I feel no. like they'd have to.
1: But I suppose you know Flintstones and Jetsons are basically just the same show. Yeah, it's just different time periods. It's just, just different time periods, and maybe there's some so- something about that uh, duality. That du- that duality that you know that the future and the past are both the same. Mm. That maybe influenced um, Gary Larson in some of his. You know, you got aliens and you got cows and you have cavemen. And it's so just like, a reflection of like all humans have the same sort of
0: experiences. No yeah, matter where yeah, that, at.
1: yeah. That it doesn't matter your time. You know, we're all we're all the same race. And we are all on the same planet, and we take care of these animals, and and it's gone into this, you know, and it's it's filtered down into kids' literature, but only because it's already been worked out in a more philosophical sense by um, Han Barbera and Gary Larson and, and other acolytes of of that thing.
0: That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Okay. I, I would I would concur with that. So uh, there, we don't have to have a whole story school about it. Good. Good. Okay. So next one we got here. Um, this one says, uh, so I've read every single one of Nick's books, even the ones that aren't out yet. I was shocked by the steamy romantic cliffhanger between Strin and Selena in book three, but I kind of ship them now. Hmm. I, 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 I haven't even read about that. Y- well, you haven't read the third part yet. Yeah. How, how did they get it before I did? Oh, well,
1: I've sent it out to some people like the Obergfels. Oh,
0: um, so maybe they're the ones who, who it prob- it probably in. is. Okay. Uh, anyway, they say I have two questions. One, are you ever going to finish Dragons Intertwined*, Twilight Dawn, The Wandernell, or,
1: my favorite serial ever, Out of Time? Um, that's a, I would like to know that too, Nick. Okay. Well, first of all, I just got to mention about the ship. Um I actually enjoy it myself. Yeah. I, I didn't really want to it spoil It's one of those things that kind of, you know, slowly happens in the book and then... People are like, oh, what? What? This is happening? Yeah. No. I, I, and I could totally see it. Like, you take the two
0: most uh, introverted characters in, in, in the well, book and, and, make, and make one of the most passionate love stories that I've ever well, yeah, seen. Because, like, because, I, I was honestly surprised. You know, you're kind of kind of squeamish about, like, showing
1: too much. But, uh, but you really developed this well, one. Well, sometimes you need that, that extra kick of passion to really sell the rest of the you know there's some really down things like if you if you read remnant of dreams it's really depressing Mm -hmm. some of it and i really felt like i need to correct that by adding a little more oomph this Mm -hmm. time and they both they both feel a a desire to to help the other person like they feel like it's their fault so it's almost it starts out almost like them both feel like they're the one at fault and trying to bend over backwards to help the other and they realize they're both doing that for each other and it's really kind of a touching love story Mm. Uh, but anyways you haven't read that yet yeah um but Dragon's Intertwined um, Twilight Dawn Wander Now Outer, Outer Time is a great serial
0: that is a great serial um, that, it's like and I think it's kind of the connecting thread between all the rest of them I think didn't you tell me one time you you thought the way to complete all these unfinished projects was to basically
1: do one massive crossover with oh yeah all of them. you know like Sanderson and I, I had the idea before I read it that he had it because I think got it from Asimov because Asimov ended up connecting all his science fiction books in the same universe and Brandon Sanderson has this thing called the Cos. Cosmology? Cosmere. 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 And the vast ah. majority of his books all exist inside this multiverse thing. Ah, so you okay. can see clues. There's one guy that shows up in a lot of them. and So I had this idea that eventually, like, Strindfred and Squire and Sorzum and a girl called Snort and then Wandernell. And Wandernell was really one of my was what, how I was going to get into connecting him more because he okay. transfers between realms. Well, and out of time kind of like transfers
0: between time periods. Yeah, so, well, like, then the can... Wander
1: now, if you pay close attention to the unmarked was Choir, he shows up in the prologue. Oh, okay. Um. So, yeah, there's there's these connections I've been building. Again, I'm just really slow getting Strain Fred done. But there's the epic battle at the end when all the different bad guys from all the different realms come together. If I can write like I want to would be pretty awesome.
0: Nice. Well, that ties into the next qu- part of the question here. It says, who would win in a Nick Hayden villain showdown? Mikalos, Stuart Lem, Lance Valentino, or Kalia Lisan? You know, it was interesting. When I first, when you first said that, when you said Lance Valentino, I could only think of the Story Project <laughs> character. Because it came right after Stuart Lem. But Well,
1: and, and the thing is, look, another connection. Stuart Lem and Lance Valentino show up in two alternate realities. Between That's Between Story true. Project. That's a good and, point. And unremarkable Squire. mm mm-hmm. um, But in any case... In this case um well there's another guy oh another villain but th- he's not shown up much anywhere he's hinted at at the end of oh, book 3 okay but um but if i had to do it from just these people it have to be macalos he he just at this point has the lance is just he he he's all bluster he's, he's all bluster. bluster he's, he's all talk. he just yeah and Kalia, um i might work with macalos would be the, the man in charge And macalos has both the intellect and the prowess to get done what he wants done. I mean, he's really the, the sort of guy who would remake the world in his own image mm-hmm. and be able to do it. And I guess, spoiler, might try to do it at some point. Cool. Yeah. Well, you heard it here, folks.
0: The Nick Hayden Cosmology, Cosmo, Cosmere. whatever it is called. Yes. Multiverse, so, so yeah, exciting stuff coming up, coming so. soon. Cool. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Okay, you've learned a lot, hopefully, about us from the Story School. We've covered a lot of ground, and, and
1: thank you for everyone who's sending questions. Yes, um, we we appreciate the the fact that you our listeners are so communicative with because us because sometimes we just feel like we're just talking to the air and no one listens. But we got some good questions. Yeah, and whenever whenever you and inund- the bad ones we didn't we didn't read.
0: Yeah, and whenever you inundate us with these this sort of feedback, we feel very loved. Yes. All right. So. All right, with that, we'll go on to the soundtrack.
1: So for my soundtrack we have these question answer things going on and part of my thing is soundtrack i like to do a variety of different styles i've r- really made an effort not to do games i've done lately so anyways i found this um it's from a remix album that was released on overclock remix called um the answer that remixes all kinds of armored core songs i don't know anything about armored core uh, but this is from the game silent line armored core the remix is called morning thinker And it's a remix by Dragon Avenger and Matthias Hagstrom Gert, also known as Another Soundscape, which is much easier for me to say. (laughs) Um, And it's a very... European. European sound. Yeah. It's fun, but it's a little different. So, enjoy.
4: Thank God, 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 I'm a thinker, I could break it out, I'm a shoot at drastic I'm a thinker, I could break it out, I'm a shoot at the drastic
1: And we're back. Yes. Morning Thinker. <laughs> that was
0: uh, that was an experience. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, well, let's go on to another great experience now. We'll do our take on Tales. So, yeah, we did this segment last time, but this is sort of a tradition to yeah. do summer movies. If you guys ever get bored of us talking about summer movies, just so let us know. Write us in. Yeah, let us know. We start with superheroes because usually what these summer movie discussions wind up being is we talk about the superhero movies, then
1: like one or two other ones, yeah, in, and that's usually violent. like a Pixar and something else. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: it wasn't a, a huge summer, there wasn't a lot that I was
1: interesting. I guess in. I actually saw more than I do some years, though. In some ways, yeah. I mean, you uh, I actually saw most of the ones we're going to talk about. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I know there are some that some other critics were just really big into. I know that. Uh, New Planet of the Apes got some pretty good reviews. Yeah, I've
1: heard of the, Yeah, I've heard it's been doing
0: well, but I've only ever seen the first one. You know, it's one franchise I just haven't been able to muster any interest in. Uh, I think it's because the concept uh, strikes me as kind of a little too silly to take seriously, <laughs> and yet they treat each, each, every trailer I see, they treat very seriously, yeah. and I'm like, uh... oh, I saw the the
1: reboot plan of the Apes, so I never seen, what, are there are two or three out now after that? Well, what, what do you mean by Reboot. Well, the the, the plan of the apes, the most recent, the one? the most recent one. Because I think I know
0: Tim Burton. Not the one. Tim Burton one. Okay, I've seen that too. But okay, yeah, I think there's been three of the current okay. uh, thread strand, yeah, prequels now.
1: But my parents have seen. They they will, my dad likes them, so I'll have to okay. watch them someday maybe anyways it's just not a
0: concept that, that apparently just yeah, I, yeah I always forget three. like I'm
1: like oh yeah that movie whatever
0: yeah <laughs> and I I meant to see the new Pirates of the
1: Caribbean movie oh yeah I didn't that completely fell off my radar I
0: think it fell off most people's radars to be honest I think everyone's like you're still trying to do that <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah. I would like to see it just because I, I enjoy Pirates movies but it was just came it was sometimes a movie comes at a time that's just not convenient for yeah. you and if it's and if it's times. not a <laughs> what well, if it's not a like I have to see this I have an obligation sort of yeah. thing then it, it gets it falls by the wayside but anyway start off with our comic book movies yes. going way back to beginning of may with guardians of the galaxy volume
1: 2. two yes there was a lot to like about this movie and some things that i didn't like about this movie i mean
0: it, it definitely had there's a bit of sequelitis to it it wasn't a bad movie in any way i just kind of had there were certain notes that are like we've sort of done this um I liked that they uh, they definitely upped the some of the crazy imagery oh, yeah. and, and cosmic sort of look of, of things. I love that they could
1: be crazy cosmic comic book. And yeah. no one cares anymore. Yes. it's a far cry from when they did the Fantastic Four movie, and they're like, oh, "Galactus, we're gonna make it into a cloud because the giant purple guy would look dumb." <laughs> and they were like, "And now we have a living planet, you know?" So yeah,
0: no, I, and which and the sad thing is that movie wasn't really even all that long ago. Yeah, I know. I mean, Mar- Marvel has self confidence. Well, I mean, Marvel Studios, studios, yeah, they have confidence. They can they can pull off crazy sort of stuff.
1: They found their niche of pulling off the, the between being just enough, commi- taking themselves seriously while not taking themselves seriously so that people buy it. Mm-hmm. So like, and I love the characters of Guardians of the Galaxy are a blast. Yeah. And that's what makes the movies. And then you just, you know, favorite line, you know, I'm Mary Poppins, yo. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like, I'm Mary Poppins, yo. <laughs> yeah. Yandu was
0: surprisingly a lot of fun. And he was. I, I was impressed that they had sort of I remember thinking, even the first one, that there was more going on with him than what we were seeing. And it was impressive here to see, like, the first movie just kind of laid seeds for, for him. It mm-hmm. wasn't, the first movie didn't need to be about Yandu, but the second movie, they really showed they had fertile ground with him. Well, no,
1: but they balance the characters. I mean, they also had, um, like, what's... A Nebula? Nebula. You know, there's a lot of characters in the movie, and they all feel like they did important things and move forward. Mm-hmm. And, and so Marvel has done a good job figuring out how to do multiple characters yeah. in a way that matters. Now the middle of the movie is a little slow. And, and I will say before we move on from yep.
0: characters, I said so the one character I felt suffered a bit was Drax. Mm. I think, I think they made him a little too juvenile in this movie. Yeah. Like in the last one, he had this kind of serious uh, thing going on. He was still grieving the loss of his family this time, they, they gave him some lines that, like, you would be, you would roll your eyes if a middle schooler did it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it just, like, there's, he had some great moments, but he also had some moments like, okay, that didn't
1: work. I do have to mention, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 has the best opening credits I've seen in a long time. <laughs> yes, I, I, I concur with that. Baby Groot is
0: awesome. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a lot of fun.
1: My biggest thing that I was like, Ugh. Besides, like, some of the jokes were just pushing it in mm-hmm. crudity more than volume one. Mm-hmm. Um, was the the scene where uh, Rocket and Yandu are leaving the ship and they were just killing everyone. Yeah. And it was just a little over the top even for that sort of show. Like It was I just strange. Felt, I, felt it, it, all, I felt really kind of like, ugh. Because it, it, it felt like they
0: sort of played as if this was supposed to be kind of a, a fun, ha <laughs> ha, look at this yeah. sort of moment. And and it might have been at first, but then the longer it went, it's like, this is a little gruesome. It's like mass murder. Yeah. And I mean, granted, the guy's... Were horrible. Were horrible. You know, they didn't feel like that sorry for them. But still, it's like it, I know it
1: was weird. I, it was a very. I, I agree with you. It was it was a weird, weird vibe. So to like, that one. so they pushed it a little far in places mm-hmm. for my liking. But generally enjoyable movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh Next, we you ready to go on to yeah. Wonder Woman? What? This was now. I have to say, I have not seen Batman vs Superman. Or Su- Suicide Squad. So I've not seen most of DC's recent movies. I haven't seen Suicide Squad. Okay.
0: Of course, I, I've talked about Batman v yeah. Superman before. But this was really enjoyable. This, For me, this was the movie of the summer, at least of the early summer. This was so important for DC to get right for many reasons, not just to have a win in their pocket. Yeah. They had, th- their previous movies haven't been that widely well-received. But also, just it was so long overdue for Wonder Woman to have a movie, and it was important that they get the character right because she's a tricky character and in the wrong hands she could be could have been too weak she could have been too forceful but they got her rights and probably of the best if not the best portrayal of Wonder Woman I think they've ever done and you would know that better than that you've read more of her in comics than I have and even I have not really read that much I'm more familiar with her from reading Justice League okay. comics and honestly it's I can only point to like a, a couple of stories, even where I would could say like this is definitive. But I've I've been I've read enough in the comics kind of community to kind of get a vibe for what how Wonder Woman should feel, yeah, because. It's tricky. It's like, what is your ideal woman? That's who Wonder Woman should be, and that could be uh, a whole number <laughs> of things. It's a whole can of worms because she she's a diplomat, she's a warrior, she's a motherly, sort of she, mm-hmm. protective, sort of thing. She's also beautiful. Yeah. You know, it's all these weird check marks, and go over too much in any one of them, and yeah. you've got you've got an imbalance. I know
1: my wife really appreciated the, her fighting style. That was like both powerful and graceful, simultaneously. Like it was mm. different than how. You see, like Captain America fight or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. And she really appreciated that. And I, and she was just—it was fun to see a good guy who wanted to be a good guy.
0: Yeah, that, you
1: know that's true. Yeah, they they hadn't had that in
0: the DC movie no. so far, which is unfortunate. I mean, and here's here's the thing: we're talking about getting character right, and I, I think it's not only getting the character right, but it's also having a good story to go along with it, because I think. Arguably, the Green Lantern movie from a couple years ago, they got the, they did, they were faithful to the character, yeah. I think, in some ways, but the story didn't connect with audiences. Yeah. And, um, Even, I I would argue, Man of Steel is a decent Superman for being sort of an alternate universe Superman where his parents, his Earth parents, are honestly not as good as the original comic book version. Given the parental upbringing Clark Kent had in Man of Steel, I think he still comes out as a pretty decent Superman. But it was just a different sort of approach for it. And in that way, it wasn't the Superman that some audiences wanted to see. This was the Wonder Woman that audiences wanted to see in the story that suited her really well. The World War Award One setting, I thought... Was, you know, lot, it was great. It was great. Um, there were some concerns about it being too similar to Captain America. See, my
1: brother thought it was too similar, but I really didn't. Well, And I think it, it worked because
0: it worked thematically very well because World War One was this was this war that yeah is not as justified as World War Two obviously was. Um that it was it's very it was a very messy, un, not very well motivated sort of
1: conflict. Yeah. And it works perfectly with the sort of story that they just decided to tell with it. We well, were I, I think in disconnected into like or is man good or evil? It just, you connect her story with kind of just big questions. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the the fun things about,
0: because I saw it first and then I just went and saw it a second time with my family. And I'm always curious what, to, especially like, like what my dad might think, because for superheroes, they're supposed to be more fun for him. So one of these epic things, I don't know if, if he's going to get into it or not. But this one, he was like, he really enjoyed it but bit. He was like, I wanted them to to go a little farther on the their answer to, you know, humankind is not worth a. It's not about yeah. love and it's not about deserving.
1: And their best answer is, well, it all comes down to what you believe. I know. They pull it from a Christian point of view, they start on the right path and they just pull their punch at the end.
0: Well, and the trick is, I don't know that they're not entirely wrong there because, well, obviously, yeah, it is to a degree what you believe, yeah. but then what is that belief? Yeah. The fact that, yes, humankind doesn't deserve love, it doesn't deserve to be saved in some ways. Yeah. But there's this thing called grace, yeah. and if you believe in in grace, that's what you can extend. I mean, he, he and that was Dad's place. Like, I wish they were so close to, I know. to getting it, to, to having the right idea. And and I can't fault the film in in some ways for that's just our fallen. You know, yeah, they came very close to the Christian thing, but it'd be really fun sometimes if it was able to kind of cross the cross, cross the line, cross yeah. the line there. But Diana was they pulled her off really well. I thought all the characters were really fun. Mm-hmm. I just. I love this movie. I said I think I saw on Facebook. It'd been a long time. I think not since Batman Begin had I walked out of a DC movie that I not just enjoyed but loved yeah. unapologetically. Yeah. Because um, and there's definitely things I, I like about Man of Steel more than a lot of other people. But I don't know. I, I I'm gushing now because I'm so worried about this one. But I was also so so excited and it was so happy so glad to see it. So hopefully you can right.
1: take some of the stuff from Wonder Woman and work it into. Future movies. I, I hope so. Uh, I I would love to see that. Um, yeah, but there's certainly room for two different styles of superhero movies. Out oh there. yeah, absolutely. I do, I don't
0: think Marvel movies should be the only style of yeah. superhero movies out there. Yeah. Um, and that was that was another fun thing about this one. You know, it was it was the most earnest of the superhero movies that we've seen for a long time, and. That's another reason why I'm happy it was done well and was, yeah. was re- received well, because it's very easy to do these in Marvel. Yeah. Like you said, they, they do this, this fun kind of, we're all damaged sort of characters and we kind of play it off with a joke sort of thing. Yeah. But here you have a really good person that was in a very earnestly, and you have some moments of humor. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's, which is good, but none of it undercuts the, uh, the heroicness, yeah. which is really cool. So anyway, I've gushed enough about Wonder Woman. Okay. <laughs> so next we, we have got Spider-Man Homecoming. Which, which I did not see. I, I'm really surprised. Yeah, uh, it just came in time that, yeah. Uh, again, bad, inconvenient yeah. time for you, and you had Dunkirk you wanted to see. Yes, exactly. <laughs> which we'll get to in a second. So uh, I'll be careful what I say here, I think. Um Overall, this is a very fun movie. Um, I I meant to catch up. I wanted to watch. I still haven't seen The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I know our listener Greg really enjoys and maybe not very few other people. (laughs) But I've heard some people say, and I'd be interested to compare it to that one. Um, I've seen the first one with Andrew Garfield. but I've I've seen some people say that Tobey Maguire was a great... Peter Parker and an okay Spider-Man, and uh, Andrew Garfield was a, was a great Spider-Man, and but not a great Peter Parker. Uh, this guy does, a, I think he does a fine job of doing both, because um, he, he, he really does feel like a, a normal high schooler. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he feels like a high school kid as opposed to an adult playing a high, high school, school kid, kid. Yeah. which is always impressive if you're able to pull off. And they did the smart thing by not making this an origin movie. Oh, thank goodness. Because <laughs> we know Peter Parker was bit by a radioactive spider, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The fact that he was introduced in Civil War actually helped this movie a lot.
1: Do you think it was, I mean, was it still fresh enough being like the fifth, sixth Super Spider-Man movie and like...
0: I think so because I think they found – I think they did find a fresh approach to go at it. I mean having Peter basically having a mentor in Tony Stark Mm -hmm. is what made this – is actually what made this feel very fresh. That and the fact that in some ways I felt like this is one of the first movies that really captured what the Marvel Cinematic Universe world has become. Because it almost feels like a movie that could have been part of – Agents of Shield. Okay, you get you get that same sort of vibe of this is sort of the world we live in now, where there's all this weird alien tech lying around. There's weird people with superpowers, and it was one of the first times that on the the big screen you kind of got the that ground level feel of everything going on. Nice, which that was I I really enjoyed that aspect of it. It is probably more ground level than.
1: The, some of the other superheroes yeah, we get yeah even,
0: even more so than like say Ant-Man because you know Ant-Man is, has you know the billionaires and they're yeah. going to this high tech facility this it was almost like is like this is somewhere in between regular Marvel movies and like the Netflix like, sort of movies mm-hmm. because it's the the main villain it is basically an illicit arms dealer with the alien off of scavenged par- okay. parts from the, the first
1: Avengers movie yeah man those are alien parts have shown up everywhere yeah
0: yeah
1: <laughs> The Chitauri, uh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So anyway, this guy basically—it's the, the their version of the of the vulture, yeah. um, played by Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. and he does, who does a fabulous job. Yeah, it, it just—it's—it's it's fun. It's sort of like when, even in the comic, it has a very comic book feel where you've got this established world with all this weird stuff going on. It's it's kind of the norm now, as opposed to most other superhero movies. It's kind of like
1: originally it was like this is everyday life, but we just have these weird people now. This is the great benefit of having of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They've established so much now Mm -hmm. that they can play around in ways that you couldn't before. Movies could not before. Yeah. In a way that only the TV show really could play around. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of exciting.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think I think they made a lot of smart choices. They're very savvy, as usual. Um, so I think you'll enjoy it when you see yeah, it. That, well, that was, it that was the, some of the aspects of it I enjoyed the
1: most. Awesome.
0: Okay, uh, why don't you talk about a movie that I did not see.
1: Cars 3? Cars 3. Oh, so you did not see this. So I have kids. So we went to Cars Three. <laughs> um, I remember when Cars first came out. I was it was like okay, and then I watched it a lot with my kids when they're younger, my cu- my niece and nephew, and realized I really like that movie. I mean, it's a very solid movie. Um, it's very rewatchable. The, the original Cars. Uh-huh. Uh, cars Two, I, uh, I remember uh, the first Cars. I I really wasn't tracking
0: with them until I I think it wasn't until Lightning McQueen and his girl they go on their first date or yeah. something. And that was the, the first time I, I actually connected with the characters I'm like oh this is the, they're somehow they're objects that don't even have hands or feet <laughs> they yeah. just have doors but somehow I'm finally now connecting with them.
1: the thing that I liked about this cars three I couldn't quite get out of my kids what they liked it but the story's all about Lightning McQueen basically getting old and not being able to race, race as well as the young kids uh-huh.
0: so it's sort of the toy
1: story of cars is not it in some ways and and dealing with the whole thing, he's trying to train back up and get the new using new gadgets and stuff, so he can he can win again because you know he's Lightning McQueen. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But I'm gonna just do a spoiler because it's Cars Three. Um <laughs> But he ends up basically near the end realized that he's gonna be a he's gonna be a trainer, he's gonna be a mentor now for the next generation. Ah, okay. And I really appreciate that at being you know I don't know how much my kids appreciate, but I appreciate it because. Pixar is still the only cartoon company I know that talks about growing old, growing old, about issues that really matter to everyone. Mm-hmm. They'll have up, they'll yeah. have toys, you know. And the fact that winning, I just, I always watching, I just envision a, a normal company would you be like, and he pulls out the win with some cool trick and he redeems himself, and yay. But he he doesn't win. He doesn't even race the last race. Mm, nice. He lets his his mentor race race in his place and win. And Wait, it his, just his mentor or his mentor, mentor mentee. <laughs> his apprentice. His apprentice. <laughs> um, and it's something that honestly I don't made perfect sense when it got that far in. But for half the movie, at least, I'm thinking he'll eventually eventually click. He'll learn the thing he's missing, and then he'll win. And I was just expecting that, and they don't. And I was really happy that they didn't. Cool. Um, and so I really appreciate that Pixar still talks about those things that everyone deals with. You know,
0: and it, it's kind of a nice symmetry in some ways. Because in, like, in the first Cars movie, he, he has his
1: own mentor. And they, they, play, they play it up. Doc Hudson, is he's gone. Mm-hmm. I, I I, technically dead. I think the actual actor passed away, okay. too. So but yeah. they, 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 really, they play that up. Anyways, I really liked it. It's a good ending. And redeemed Cars 2. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I I enjoyed it. Again, my kid, like field loves cars too the best because there's so much action and stuff. But uh-huh. <laughs> you know, there's cool. something for everyone. Yep, there you go. And then finally, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. <laughs> I've been looking for this. I told Natasha like early spring, like the one movie I want to watch this summer is Dunkirk. She's like, why? Like just, <laughs> she had no she had no interest in it at all. Uh-huh. So I'm like, well, I'll go without you. <laughs> um, so all the guys in my family went together uh-huh. because I, I'm always interested in what Christopher Nolan does. And it was a fascinating movie. It was a fascinating movie. The the thing that sold me on this movie, I mean,
0: I, when I first heard, it be like, oh, he, Christopher, do, he's doing a World War II movie. Oh, and it's, oh, it's Dunkirk. Oh, that's interesting. And then I saw the trailer, like, okay, now I have to watch this movie. I love anything that has like synchronized editing in a trailer. That I I eat that stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that trailer sold me on this
1: movie. And it's a, it's a weird movie. In some ways, it's hard to talk about because. It really is more of an experience than a story. It is. It's
0: very experiential and almost I I, the one thing I wondered about it afterwards, if it might be to its detriment, is Mm -hmm. that I wondered, did I really learn anything? Mm -hmm. Or was it just an experience? Yeah. You know, a lot of times a a movie will have some sort of theme that you can kinda hang your head on and is like, this is this is what I gained from this movie. It's a very well-made movie. It's a beautiful it's a cinematically you know, hardly breathe for like an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: it. it. I mean, it really does ramp up. Just the tension doesn't ever really stop.
0: Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed the uh the intercutting timelines.
1: Oh, I thought yeah, that was cool. I guess if you don't know, if you haven't watched it, there's three plot lines: there's the the beach, the sea, and the air. Mm-hmm. And the beach takes place over a week, the water over a day, and the air over an hour. But they're all. Intercut simultaneously during the movie. Yeah. And it's a weird I mean, it's weird to watch, but it works really well. Yeah. It it, it does this thing of not only keeping the tension going, but it, it does this weird like setup and payoff thing where you'll see something and then it'll pay off in one like in the plane thing and then you'll pay off in the beach version. Mm-hmm.
0: I had to watch it again, I think, to catch all the the setup. Yeah, payoffs. I caught some
1: of them. but Yeah, exactly.
0: It was some, but there's, there's some other ones. I think you, you might have caught some that I didn't.
1: It's, it's been a little while now. So. Yeah, I, I, Tim and I were talking about this after we watched it, and I agree that you don't really learn much about Dunkirk. If you didn't know anything about Dunkirk, you wouldn't know that much more. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is a downside to it. But I also wonder whether, say, you're British, do you already know? I yeah. I mean, it's just something everyone already knows. I mean,
0: I thought it was clever in, in some ways. There's no there's no flashbacks to people's past there's there's nothing about like how they got to this place it's just like it starts you off at the beginning like the the basic setup of the british army is trapped they need to get out and that's about it i mean there's very little speaking i mean otherwise i mean you know you know what world war ii is. it's like you don't need yeah. an origin story for dunkirk yeah, you don't ways. even
1: i mean you don't even see the enemy really not very much. I mean, you see some planes, and that's about it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's weird watching. You very much. You. It's like you're being assaulted by unseen enemies. I mean, mm. bombs come up, and
0: uh, and this is another thing I really appreciate. Speaking about bombs for a war movie, a PG-13 war movie. I didn't know that was even possible anymore. There's so little gore in this movie. And you movie. don't need the gore to, to accomplish what he was going for. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of people, obviously, are getting blown up, drowned, things like that, and there's definitely a body count, but none of it's, I don't remember,
1: hardly see very little blood seen anywhere in it. I do think there's a, a, a subtle sort of lesson in there, is that... I. I thought after I got done watching, I was thinking about it. It seems like in every plot line, there's an instant where a normal person does sort of a normal human act mm-hmm. that's beyond just surviving. Mm. It's like, this is my heroic moment. And it's not heroic in the sense of all our superhero movies, but just yeah. being more than just surviving. Where you because mo- the Because right- most, of the, most of the movies just... I just got to survive. Yeah. <laughs> not drown for the... But you know.
0: made the right, the moral
1: right decision yeah, somewhere. It, and sometimes they're not, they're not, it's not highlighted. But it's there. That it's there. A good point. And yeah. I think, I think it's very purposeful.
0: That, that's, I I can see that. That's, I think that's a good point. So
1: it's, yeah, it's an experience. I think the downfall is if you wanted to learn anything about Dunkirk. I, but again, or, I didn't... Or I really, learn
0: something significant about the characters that you follow. Because yeah. uh, there's not a whole lot
1: there. But It, it really is just, it's almost just like they dropped you inside... I mean, in
0: some ways, a I reality version of it. And for some people, might say that's a detriment to the characters, but in some ways, it's also like it's it's more human. Like these are just yeah. average. They're people. just people. They're just people. Like you, like you, and just going through the experience of trying to survive. That's that's
1: connection enough. In the some movie ways. completely accomplishes, I think, what the movie meant to accomplish. Yeah. Now it doesn't accomplish some things you might want the movie to accomplish. <laughs> that is true.
0: Sometimes what an audience is looking for and what a director wants to do are two different things. Yeah. So if you go into understanding that, I mean, the, the intercutting timelines thing, that's
1: so, Nolan. That's, that's so no. But it works, I mean, it works really well in this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think the movie would have been, what we talked about a couple, I don't know, a number of episodes ago about um, nonlinear timelines. Mm-hmm. And that you should only do it if putting it in order, but you'd lose something, you'd lose something putting it in order. Yeah. You lose a lot actually in this particular case. Yeah. So, definitely
0: go check Dunkirk out if you haven't. It's, yeah. It's, we, we recommend it. Nice big TV. Yeah. Yeah. I did, did you see it in IMAX? I didn't. I didn't see an IMAX, but it would have been, it'd be good. it might have been neat. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's our summer movie wrap up. Yep. Those five movies. <laughs> <laughs> We're not the film connoisseurs of all things film that I guess we could be, but that's, no. that's okay. We've, there are other things going on. Yep. I don't know. Anything coming up
1: the rest of the year that you're looking forward to? I haven't paid much attention what's coming up, honestly. I think mean, there's that, a Star Wars movie. I, I was gonna say I think there's a Star Wars. movie. <laughs> I do know that Justice
0: League is coming. Uh, I can't is that f- this winter? It might be actually. It doesn't feel like it should be a winter movie. The first trailer that I was not impressed with. The second one I thought was much better. Seems like closer was a, to the right tone. Seems
1: like there was a movie that was coming out. I was surprised about. It. I thought I wanted to go see, it, but I can't remember now. So,
0: so okay. Well, we'll see. Again, let us know if you enjoy us doing these summer movie recaps. If not, if we get enough people saying no, please don't well, do we that can ever do other again. other things. Yeah, yeah. We, we can do more pun stuff. times. Yeah. <laughs> oh, were we gonna do a pun time. <laughs> I do don't know this. if I'm I'm up to it at the moment. But <laughs> okay. Um, well, folks, it's been real. It's been very real. Like a real film. Get yes. It, uh, uh, that's punny. Well, let's. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Okay, then. anyway. Um, um,
1: that's a ma against, I don't know.
0: Okay, no, it, it's too late for fun times, I think, now. We, we we put too much thought in other portions of this episode, I yes. think. So if you would like to leave us more comments to add to the, all the comments that we have on our Facebook, feel free to go to our Facebook page, The old Trains of Thoughts.
1: And, uh, and uh, our, our official website trains of thought dot Trains of if you want to visit It's a website.
3: It's a website
1: <laughs> And uh, of course and
0: we still have an email address that, that loads of you send to also also that's trains at
1: gmail and well, Tim, happy seventh anniversary of this podcast.
0: Yes, I'm very happy we've gotten to. And FCB. we're in
1: a nice spot. Let's go. Let's go, like hang out.
0: Yes, we sh- we should do that. We, we can go for a boat ride, maybe. That'd be awesome. Let's do it. That'd be cool. But let me do my soundtrack here real quick first. I had a hard time trying to find something. I just did. One of my Google searches, I looked for requests, since we had a lot of requests from you guys. Uh, And so I found out that uh, it was sort of a fan initiative to finish one of OC Remix's uh, albums. One of them being Wild Arms, Armed and Dangerous, uh, which is an album based on the game Wild Arms. Good game. I've played a little bit of it, but I haven't finished it. But anyway, so this is a remix called Succumb to the Wilderness. It is by Level99 from the game Wild Arms. So hope you enjoy it as we uh, head out into the sunset here. All right. Have a great day, evening, weekend. Morning. Morning, whatever time time period it is for you. And until next time, this is Tim. This is Nick. Bye. Bye.